0: The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Well, good morning. You know, if you asked my wife this morning, uh, she would probably tell you, uh, Matt is an extremely impatient person. I hate to wait. Do you hate to wait? Do you hate to wait? I hate to wait. I hate waiting in line. I hate uh, waiting on the car in front of me to turn. I hate waiting on my food at a fast food restaurant. Do you hate to wait like I do? I hate to wait. We've been waiting over a month uh, for our landscaper to fix our yard even after we paid him. I hate to wait. The Christmas season sort of reminds us that all of us are in this season Of Advent. You know, Advent, you've probably heard if you've been around church uh, during the Christmas season, Advent gives us this idea of waiting. And so at Christmas time, all of us are waiting. Some of us are waiting with fear, some of us are waiting with hope, some of us are waiting with anticipation. All of us are waiting on something. And, you know, if we really drilled down to it this morning, we really got beneath the facade, I would imagine that most of us this morning would say we're pretty stressed out. We're pretty tired. We're pretty partied out. Uh, We're wondering if our kids are thankful. We're wondering if we're going to fail our family at Christmas time. Some of us may even say, "Um, I'm anxiously waiting on the new year. I'm wondering and I'm Waiting to see what the new year is going to bring. And I think all of us would probably say at some point in time, Christmas is often this anxious season of waiting that many of us are trying to just get through as fast as possible. Can you say that this morning? You, You probably can identify with that. But you know, in LA, we're, we're used to waiting, right? We wait on traffic, we're waiting on our breakthrough, we're waiting on a spouse, we're waiting on a child, we're waiting on a job, we're waiting on a season to pass, we're waiting on something to happen. I just want to remind us as we start a brand new series this morning, I just want us to catch a breath in this Christmas season for just a moment. And I want us to be reminded that the God who planned the exact day, the exact hour, the exact time, the exact location, that Jesus, the Son of God, would come, that same God who prearranged all of that is aware of your reality this morning. He's aware of your waiting this morning. And I fully believe that God is prepared to love you and Guide you in the season of waiting, whatever you're waiting on this morning. He is aware and ready to love you in this season. Now, if you're a believer this morning, Christmas is sort of this opportunity for us to remember the story of God's people. It's the opportunity to remember the story of God's people as they're waiting on God to fulfill his promises. It's this season that gives us the opportunity to learn how to trust God in our waiting. And so this morning we start this brand new series called Waiting for God. And here's what I hope happens in this series over the next three weeks. We're going to look at three different places of, uh, of waiting in the story of God's people. We're going to hear some stories of people that God has visited in unexpected ways. And I believe the series is going to help us consider how to trust God's promises, how to trust God's work in our lives as we are waiting on him. Ultimately, I hope this series is going to point us to Jesus as the one that our hearts are ultimately waiting on to return I hope it will ultimately point us to Jesus as the one that ultimately our hearts can be satisfied in and made whole. Now, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 1 this morning. Uh, If you didn't bring a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. I want to talk to us this morning and walk us through a passage uh, about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5, the scripture says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both, listen to what the scripture says, very old. So if you know the story of Luke and you've read through the Christmas story during this season, you know that the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth is sort of the build-up to the main story. They're, they're, they're the hype man, if you will. They're the hype story, if you will, to the real story. Luke is eventually going to get to Mary and Joseph and eventually the birth of Jesus. But before he gets there, Luke's going to uh, talk about Elizabeth and Zechariah. And so when we read this story of these two people, what we see is this picture of a paradox. You know what a paradox means, don't you? Uh, A paradox means there's two things that are together, but they probably don't belong together. They're sort of stuck together. And in the opening verses, in the opening lines, in the opening scene of the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, we have this incredible paradox. There's a paradox of happiness going on and the paradox of disappointment. And so, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're older. Uh, Zechariah is a priest. Um, They've both devoted themselves to God. And Zechariah and Elizabeth have done the right things. They've loved each other well. They've been faithful to each other. They've loved their neighbors. They've been generous. They're those people that you know in their life, your life, that have done things well. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they've trusted God. And so we see on the one hand, there's this happiness in their life that comes from trusting God. But then on the other hand, what we see in the story, in the opening pages of their story, is this idea of disappointment. Why? Because Elizabeth could not get pregnant. And in their day, not being able to get pregnant was sort of socially um, and financially disastrous. It wasn't Medicare. It wasn't Social Security. When you got old, your children would take care of you. And so as Elizabeth and Zachariah are getting old, um, typically in your old age, you're dependent on kids to care for you. Not only that, but in their culture, it was sort of this curse to not be able to have children, to not be able to get pregnant. And so here we have two people who love God, they've done all the things the right way, they've done all the right things the right way, and they're getting older. And I just imagine as they're getting older and they're cursed with, at least culturally and socially, they're cursed without having kids. There's, there's this fear and insecurity as they get older. Who's going to take care of us? Uh, maybe there's this experience of the fear of loneliness. Maybe Elizabeth is wondering, is Zach going to be faithful to me? Or is he going to go find another wife who can bear children for him? And so they experience this paradox of happiness and disappointment. But what we know from their story is that they kept going. And what we know from their story is that they're sort of like this memorial stone to those behind them. As if they could say to those who came behind them, whatever you're waiting for today, you can do this. You can keep going in your waiting. You can keep moving forward in spite of your waiting not being fulfilled, even if there seems to be no sign of God's presence in your waiting. Um, I remember when I graduated from Clemson University... In 2000, And I had a friend of mine um, who uh, who both of us believed that we were called to ministry and we were going to pursue that. And he left Clemson and said, I'm not going to go to seminary. I'm going to go directly into ministry and I'm going to do ministry. And I thought, gosh, that's exactly what I want to do. I know that God's called me to do this. And I, I want to go directly and work for a local church. But I knew I needed to be trained. I, I didn't understand the scriptures well. I didn't come from a, a-, a rich theologian background. I knew that I needed to be trained. And so rather than jumping directly into ministry, I went directly to seminary in order to be trained. And so as I get into seminary, just like Chris Revel, who's our director of family ministries, he's there now. I just, every time I meet with him, I'm like, I see myself. I remember myself in you. I'm so ready to do ministry. I had all of these dreams and all of these plans. And so in 2004, while I'm still in seminary, about two years in, I planned. this mission trip for seminary students where I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, to go up to New York City. And I was so ready to do ministry and missions. And so I, I did everything for this trip. I, I planned it out. I picked the dates. I, I ran the cost. I did the budget. Um, I even made a flyer. I convinced a professor at our seminary to give three credit hours to anybody who went on this mission trip. And so um, I reached out to uh, this missionary, this person in New York, with this organization called New Hope New York. And I created this flyer. Um, You can't read this, unfortunately. This is literally a screenshot that I took in my preparation. This is the flyer that I made um, uh, as I'm preparing for this trip. And I thought it would be funny to point out um, one thing. Let me read this. In an email I received from Paul Gomez, um, he said, Matt, Shelley Weaver told me you were interested in bringing a group of eight to 10 people, um, seminary students in New York City, January 8th to the 15th. Let's talk. And then he goes on to say, I am the church planting director for New Hope New York and will be a church planter in the next year. Let's see what we can devise. So I created this flyer, and one of the things I wrote in the description of what we would be doing was this. You can't read it, but I'll read it for you. Paul Gomez, our New Hope New York church planning partner in Manhattan, will be launching a new church plant in 2005, and our work there will aid his efforts. Now... This, this may not make sense to you, but in 2004, as a seminary student, I had never heard of church planting. In fact, if you said it slow enough, I would think you said church planting. I wouldn't have a clue what you meant by church planting. All I had a category for was, if you're in ministry, you go be a pastor, or you go be a youth pastor, or you sing songs, and that's the only categories I had for ministry. And so here this guy is talking about church planting. And so, As we fast forwarded the story, long story short, we didn't have enough interest in uh, this mission trip. And uh, I was so bummed to have to send an email back to Paul and tell him we didn't have enough interest to come up to New York City. And I remember in sort of that season as I'm anxious and ready to get on to ministry, I'm like, Lord, how long do I have to wait? I'm ready to do ministry now. (laughs) Fast forward to 2018. And I want to tell you, you don't know this, and it was so good for my soul as I'm remembering this story this week, but two of the primary men who went to New York City to start New Hope New York, to plant new churches in New York City, was a guy by the name of Shane Kritzer, (laughs) the guy who did our announcements this morning. I didn't know Shane at the time, but as I look back now in 2018, what I see was God took my waiting... (laughs) and turn all of those things into church planting. Shane now is one of my dearest friends, one of the greatest encouragements in my life over the past uh, several years, actually. It goes back multiple years. And what I see was in my waiting, all of that was preparation for more life with God. If I look back from 2014 to 2018, all I see is the bookends there, but when you look into the story, God used that time as preparation for more life with God. The story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, they're old, <laughs> but they remained faithful. Listen to me. It was all preparation for more life with God. Can I say to you this morning, God is preparing you in your waiting for more life with him. Whatever you're waiting for this morning, however long you've been waiting this morning, as you wait for the bookends to be complete, God is preparing you in your waiting for more life with him. Listen to what Romans chapter 5 says. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. Because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up, listen to what this scripture says, enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Through all of this happiness and all of this disappointment, all of this experience of patience and Elizabeth and Zachariah's life, listen, God is widening the container of their lives. He's widening the container of our lives so that he can pour more of himself in. And for Zachariah and Elizabeth, all of this period of waiting, So all this preparation for God's promises to be made to them. And we read about the fulfillment of those promises starting in verse 8. Verse 8 says, Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. This was a very unusual occurrence for a priest. Once a year, all of the priests, thousands of them, at some point there would be a designated week where they would come to Jerusalem and they would serve their priestly duties. Typically, you would go into the holy place and burn incense once, maybe twice. You could go on, only go in the second time if all of the priests had had their turn. This was a very unusual circumstance for Zechariah to go into the holy place. And when the time... For the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled. He was gripped with fear. Typically when we see angels showing up in Scripture... Almost always an angel is bringing good news, but the experience of the person seeing the angel is almost always fear. That's Zachariah's experience here. But the angel, who is Gabriel, said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Listen to what what Gabriel says. Listen. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you were to call him John, John the Baptist. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So these priests who are walking into this holy place, as they're walking in, I imagine, are probably reminded of the words that God spoke to Moses. And when God spoke to Moses, he said, you cannot see my face. Remember, this temple is where the presence of God lived. There's a holy place, and then there's a holy of holy places. And God would say to Moses, you cannot see my face in the holy of holies. No one can see me and live. And so there's this holy fear. There's this holy fear by priests that, of what would happen if I see God in his temple. And so here Zechariah is standing face to face with the angel Gabriel. And listen, you can imagine, you can imagine Zechariah is expecting a harsh word. He's wondering if this is the moment where God takes his life. And what happens is Zechariah does not receive a harsh word. Listen to what he received. He received a very personal word and a powerful word from Gabriel. Listen to me. That word was this. The Lord sees you. The Lord sees you. Zechariah, the Lord hears you. Zechariah, he's got his eye on you. Zechariah, he knows the shame and the disappointment of Elizabeth. He's heard her cries. Zechariah, he sees you. He knows you. It was a personal, encouraging word to Zachariah. But listen, remember, for Elizabeth and Zachariah, that was a painful word. Why? Because they could not get pregnant. They're reminded of their disappointment. Years ago, some of our best friends and dearest friends in Atlanta, Jennifer and Andrew Nix, they tried for multiple years to try to get pregnant. And they walked through this experience of pregnancy and miscarriage, fertility, where they spent lots of money and it never worked and... And so here Jennifer and Andrew are walking through the season and every time things seem promising. There's all of the things that go along with being a potential parent where you're thinking about names, you're thinking about colors of the rooms and and you go through these seasons of highs and lows and, and at some point you just become discouraged like I don't know if this is ever going to happen but we watch Jennifer and Andrew continue to trust the Lord in their waiting. And so one of our friends recommended and suggested that we all get together on a Wednesday night in this room, in this place called The Warehouse on a Wednesday night. And we gathered around Jennifer and Andrew. We laid hands on them. And we prayed and asked the Lord to answer their prayer for a child. And two months later, we got word that they were pregnant. (laughs) Some of you... May hear me and say, That's great, but what about me? I'm waiting for the same thing, Matt. I'm waiting for a breakthrough. I'm waiting on a spouse, somebody to go through life with. I'm sick and waiting on a miracle. I've got this kid who's away from the Lord. I've been waiting and waiting and praying. What about me and my prayers? And I want to say to you this morning, I I don't know when or if or how God will answer your prayers according to your desires. But I do know the same thing about you that was true about Zachariah and Elizabeth. Would you look at me? God sees you. God sees you. God sees knows you his eye is on you he hears you your prayer hasn't disappeared into the cosmos your prayer hasn't bounced off the ceiling and disappeared into the air listen God's not waiting on you to work yourself up into the state of goodness so that you receive something in return that's not how God works And I know sometimes life feels like a thousand-piece puzzle. You've got six pieces you know fit together. You get all of these other pieces. You're like, I I can't figure out where they go and how all these pieces go together. Parts of life seem to be working, but you've been waiting on the other parts to come together. And so we make prayers like this. God, help me to put the missing pieces of my life that I've been waiting on together. And it can be so tiring and so discouraging to be waiting and waiting for God. But listen to me. But God has seen the entire puzzle. God has seen the entire masterpiece of eternity. Past, eternity, future, which is sort of an oxymoron. God's plans are so much bigger than one puzzle piece of our lives. And God can take those pieces and he can create a masterpiece. And listen to me, that's what's happening with Zechariah and Elizabeth. In the timeline of all eternity, God is connecting eternity past with eternity present with eternity future. What do you mean by that, Pastor Matt? The last words of the Old Testament say this. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. What's happening with Elizabeth and Zechariah is God is fulfilling his promise to us. And so Elizabeth and Zechariah are gonna give birth to John the Baptist, the herald, the height man, if you will, who's gonna announce the coming of King Jesus. And so Elizabeth, listen to this Elizabeth and John, I mean, Elizabeth and Zechariah are receiving the blessing of a long awaited son. But listen to this there's another paradox in Elizabeth and Zechariah's life. There's another paradox that's happening as they're receiving what they've been waiting for. That long-awaited son, if you know the story, John the Baptist, that long-awaited son, his story ends in tragedy. He loses his life. He dies as a martyr. It ends with tragedy and defeat, and it looks like it was all for nothing. Now listen to me, church. The missing pieces of our lives even when they are filled in, will always be stained and strained with suffering. I want you to understand that. The missing pieces of our lives that we're waiting on, they're always gonna be strained with suffering because some of us believe when God answers me in my waiting, things are all gonna come together. But listen to me, when God answers us in our waiting, it's always to strengthen us and encourage us. But listen, but it's never to make us safe. When God answers us in our waiting, it's always to strengthen us, always to encourage us. But listen to me, it's never to make us safe. God never does a miracle. God's never answering your prayer in such a way that it doesn't cost us something. Even if God answers you in your waiting today. Why? Listen to me. God never intends on our joy and happiness. He never intends on our joy and happiness to be found in the answer to our waiting, but in God himself. God is what we should be waiting for. Andrew Murray, the great pastor, the 1800s says, The giver is more than the gift. God is more than the blessing. And our being kept waiting on Him is the only way for our learning to find our life and our joy in Himself. Catch this. Take a picture of this. Read it later. Oh, if God's children only knew what a glorious God they have and what a privilege it is to be linked in fellowship with Him, then they would rejoice in Him, even when He keeps them waiting. Did you hear that? Even when He keeps them waiting, they will learn to understand better than ever. Therefore, we will wait, therefore will the Lord wait that He may be gracious unto you. And His waiting will be the highest proof of His graciousness. Go down to verse 18 and 20, and Zechariah answers Gabriel and says, "How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and well along in his years. You see, Zechariah begins to doubt. And I don't blame Zachariah, by the way. Do you blame him? I'm old. (laughs) I'm old. This is impossible. Actually, at this point, Gabriel, I just want to live in a little condo down by the beach. I want to live in peace with Liz and just walk the beach. Maybe tan with coconut oil. Maybe do a little fishing. I just want to live in peace. I doubt this will even happen. I think all of us doubt at some point. I even question the sincerity of our faith if we don't experience doubt at times. It Reminds us that we're not the experts. We're not in control of God. All of our theologies and formulations only begin to scratch the surface of our God. So why was Zachariah punished for his doubt in this passage? Because what happens here is Gabriel says, you're going to be silent until the promise comes true. So why was Zachariah punished? Because lots of people doubt in Scripture. Jesus said, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. Abraham doubted. Gideon doubted. We see doubt over and over in the Scriptures. We don't know why. Maybe it's because in his doubt, he's demanding a sign. As opposed to his delight, which is sort of asking God for a sign. But when Zechariah was given a sign, he wouldn't be able to speak until the promise is fulfilled. Zach knew that God would answer his prayer from so long ago. And that sign of judgment, of silence, would sort of be God's grace to him. Now, let me close us out. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. They probably thought he was dead. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Now, verse 23. When his time of service was complete, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and he's taken away my disgrace among the people. What was all this silence about, do you think? What was all this silence about in between God fulfilling the promise. Maybe Zachariah was one of those guys who could not not talk. He talked to everybody. You know people like that? Talk talked to people in the coffee shop, talked to people in the barber shop, talked to people in the line at Walmart. He just talked, 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 talked. Maybe, just maybe, this was a forced fast by God. <laughs> there are times when God may have to sit us down Remind us to stop trying to do this on our own. You can't fix your way out. You can't talk your way out. So sit down and shut up and wait. And maybe that's what's happening here. And waiting is so hard for us, isn't it? Most of us are waiting for the next breakthrough. The next moment. But I want to say to us this morning that Most of life, and especially the joy, the happiness, is not in these miracles. It's in the moment by moment. It's in between the bookends, if you will. It's a time from hearing from Gabriel, and nine months later, when John is born. That's a long time of not being able to speak. But listen to me. That's the waiting. That's the waiting. Church, God is in the waiting. I'm going to close with another quote by Andrew Murray. And he said, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Yes, for him. Seek not only the help, the gift thou needest. Seek himself. Wait for him. Give glory. Give God his glory by resting in him, by trusting him fully, by waiting patiently for him. This patience honors him greatly. It leaves him as God on the throne to do his work. It yields self wholly into his hands. It lets God be God. If thy waiting be for some special request, wait patiently. If thy waiting be more the exercise of the spiritual life, seeking to know more and have more of God, wait patiently. Whether it be in the shorter specific periods of waiting or as in the continuous habit of the souls, rest in the Lord. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently. Why? Because the scripture tells us in Isaiah that they that wait on the Lord shall inherit the land. My soul, wait thou only upon God. Some of you are in a season of waiting. You're in Advent. You are waiting. Like Zechariah, the period of waiting is sort of participating in what God is doing. So, Elizabeth's in this period of waiting. She's in seclusion for five months. Gabriel didn't tell Elizabeth to be quiet. Gabriel didn't tell Elizabeth to be quiet. Possibly what's happening here is the two of them are waiting on God together, letting God do his work. Too many times we want this flurry of activity to produce God's activity. So, some of you are in a season of Advent this morning, and I want to say to you the best thing you can do is to say, I wait. I'm going to trust you in this season. That's you. I just want to suggest as I close this morning, you can participate with God in this season of Advent, this season of waiting in a few ways. I just want to say very practically, maybe you set your alarm this week, a few minutes early. And you lay there a few extra minutes this morning, preparing your heart, your mind, to trust the Lord this week. Maybe... On your way to work, you turn the radio off, you meditate on the waiting that you're going through. As you are in a season of Advent, I want to encourage you to participate with God in this waiting, because that's where God is. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for a reminder this Christmas season of Our privilege to wait on you, God. God, we're reminded of the story of your people who waited for the promised coming king. God, there's many stories in scripture, but I imagine thousands upon thousands of stories could be told of your people waiting on you to fulfill your promise. God, we are the recipient, the beneficiary of hearing those stories. And knowing now, Hindsight 2020, that God, you meet us in our waiting in unexpected ways. God, I thank you for the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth. May that be true of us this week in our season of Advent. May you find us participating with you as you teach us how to trust you. As we learn how to walk with you as you begin to fulfill the promises you made to us. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.